This is Cultivate a Good Life, a bonus episode, postpartum depression and anxiety. Hey guys, we are Becky Squared. I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is Becky Proudfit. Hello. Hello. Would you like to tell the people tell the level of my love for you and what I brought you this morning? I sure do. Because I'm pretty proud of I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> She's actually Becky is on uh, quite a high level of happiness today because she spent her entire morning on the search for toilet paper. Toilet paper. Toilet Folks, paper, guys. We are having a toilet paper shortage due to nothing more than hysteria. It's well, happening. let me tell you, friends, yeah. I have a husband without a large intestine. This is a serious matter in my home. She's being completely serious, I'm not actually. even being funny, but it is funny. It's a little bit funny. Also completely serious. And I refuse to jump on the hysteria bandwagon, but I needed to get my normal amount of toilet paper today. And how hard was that? Three hours. I went to every store and thankfully through the goodness of a good Samaritan, who saw me about ready to cry in the aisle of our local grocery store. And he said, he brought me aside. It was an older guy. And he said, honey, I have to tell you a secret. If you go to Home Depot right now, they have toilet paper. Oh my gosh. And you Bless better believe man. me and my 12 passenger van raced over to Home Depot. And I was able to procure the needed toilet paper. This just happened, you guys. So she's on, she's doing this on her way over to my house where we're recording this right now. And she walks up to my front door, delighted as can be with a full package, a large giant package of toilet paper (gasps) for me. Right. (laughs) That was so nice. And I told her I wasn't even looking for toilet paper because I'm not on that frenzy bandwagon situation that is, you know, a result of the coronavirus that's happening right now. Do you buy toilet paper like lots in advance? Uh, I mean, we just always have enough, I guess, but see, because we usually buy a Costco pack and have a Costco pack to share. Yeah. And there has not been any at Costco and will not in the foreseeable future. So as we, as we, uh, transfer, transfer, transition. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like, wait, what's the word? Oh, it's a good day. You know, it's a good day when I can't get my words straight. So we're going to transition from coronavirus and toilet paper shortage to postpartum depression and anxiety. But are you ready for the tie? So I supported you this morning, my beautiful friend, in your hiney wiping needs. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) And likewise, we are also here today to support our beautiful, wonderful powerhouse friend, Aubrey, who is Ah. the founder and the leader of the Mamahood community. They have a podcast, they have a blog, and most recently... Um, Aubrey has felt very passionate about sharing her journey and struggle with postpartum depression and anxiety. In another way. In another way. She's been doing that through the Mamahood community and with the podcast and their Facebook community and all all of those great, amazing things. But she has recently felt called to share more. She has not only started this new project, it's called Anya. It stands for A New You Again. Yeah. And so she, she is, um, she's launching that now and that's why we are releasing this bonus episode because we so want to support her, but she's also launching right now her documentary about this experience through Sturry, mm-hmm. I believe is how you say it. Um, an incredible company that produces documentaries to help people get their stories out there in a video format, which is incredible because we love storytelling so much. We're so excited about this. Can't even wait to see it. We can't wait. And at the time when this airs, you're going to be able to head to at the Anya.project on Instagram Mm -hmm. and see that documentary. And we just want to support our girl. She is Mm -hmm. sharing her beautiful experiences that have been so heartbreaking and so meaningful in her life. And she's using it to gather a tribe of women to help them um, through these mental health challenges that a lot of us have Mm -hmm. um, through motherhood. And we just applaud Aubrey and want to amplify her in any way we can and help her message um, of strength just resonate as far as it can. Absolutely. And that's why, friends, we wanted to share this uh, episode with you once again. And we have named it Postpartum Depression and Anxiety. 
um, with the hope that it becomes really obvious for those who are seeking help in that area. And so as you think about whether this applies to you or not, be sure that you're thinking about the friend or the sister-in-law or the neighbor or a coworker, somebody that you know who could really use the message that we are sharing today from Aubrey and Marin. So without further ado, here's that episode. We are so excited today, you guys, because we have the cutest guests we may have ever had in our lives. (laughs) Emma and Capri are here. (laughs) These sweet babies. We actually are here today. And also their moms. Exactly. We're here today with the mamas of Emma and Capri, Marin and Aubrey from the Mamahood podcast. So welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming and also bringing your babies so we can (laughs) snuggle them. It's actually the most appropriate thing that could be happening for this episode that we have, because we're talking about things that are going to relate so deeply with so many of our, especially younger mothers. Um, But my goodness, what would this be without the babies in our presence, which you and I don't have anymore. So this is even better. I'm ready. We love it so much. They keep stealing our babies. I'm ready for grandkids. But when I say that, like my oldest is 14, you guys, like this is not happening anytime soon. How about I'm grateful for friends with delicious babies that I can snuggle exactly how about that that's all you really need in life or you could get pregnant back uh I uh, I mean I was just I was offering I was offering a solution or a suggestion like I almost slapped you just food for thought food for thought okay so since that's not gonna happen we'll just like you know turn all of our attention over to those who are so beautifully raising these beautiful young babes um will you guys take a moment to introduce yourselves to our listeners and share where they can find you and learn more about what you have to offer and then we'll dive right into all the goodness that you have to share today sure i'm aubrey i'm marin We are over at the Mamahood Podcast, and it's basically a community of moms that are in the trenches. Yeah, we, our whole purpose in starting our podcast was to create a podcast for moms that are just in the thick of it with Mm -hmm. little babies, because that can sometimes be a really lonely place to be. So we wanted to create a place where they felt understood, where they felt like they belonged, and um, a podcast where they feel like they're just genuinely hanging out with other friends. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's, that's what it feels like that's yeah. the response yeah. we've gotten so we're we feel like we're we're achieving our goal a little you're bit you're doing something right <laughs> well and i'll tell you becky i don't know about you but there were not podcasts when i was having babies babies there were a lot of there were not a lot of things like the squeezy baby food in those like oh my god those are How the best did i miss that that's like i had way. to There's I, no I, <laughs> we lived in new york city and i had to literally bring like a jar of baby food i'm acting like i would like 85 years the old glass jars. the glass jar with like a spoon and like uh-huh. sit in the subway and like that would be a mess <laughs> it was the worst yeah. i'm so jealous of you really young moms we didn't yeah. have like no, super cute of, backpack oh, i know diaper I like bags all baby products are just kind of better so oh, yeah. good they're kind of amazing we can even monitor our baby's heart rates while they sleep this is ridiculous see if i now now this kind of leads us into our our topic at hand because if i had a baby heart monitor when my kids slept i would have never slept like that would have kicked my anxiety up oh really so high Hmm. seriously okay i can see that Listeners, I'm going to ask for like, put your non-judgment hat on and know that I am an exceptional mother, but (laughs) I can't. Would you not? She is. We took baby monitors out of our nurseries when our kids went went into their own rooms. Because of your anxiety? This was on my husband's, like he insisted on this. Okay. Because anytime the baby would stir, I would like run in there and like uh-huh. re-swaddle oh, and re. And he's like, you have got to stop. Like if they fuss for a minute, like give them a minute to fuss. And he's so right. they were close enough where if they were, you know, something was really going on, obviously we would hear. But yeah, we totally took baby monitors out of our kids' rooms. I, I fully support Taylor's inspired thought on that. I do too, because yeah. I slept much better right. after that. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yes. Oh. Well, you guys have seen so many um, things, right, in this work that you're doing, this really amazing work that you're doing, and I love so much, I know I represent Becky as well, that we appreciate that, that you are curating and cultivating this community of women who are in a unique phase of life and a very pivotal and important phase of life. And so what you're doing is bringing them together, helping to feel less alone and giving them tools and resources and connecting them with one another. What could be better for a young mother? Thank you so much. Really, really great. So first of all, kudos to you. Um, So in all of the things that you've seen, you've seen a lot of 
um, experiences and stories I'm sure that have related to your own experiences and stories and some that haven't, but why don't you maybe give an overview of what you both have experienced with young motherhood that has connected you more to other people and has helped shed light on those things. Sure. Yeah. So in fact, this whole community kind of started because of what I went through as a young mom. Um, I had my baby and you know, you think you can get through the baby blues. You, I kind of assumed everybody had the baby blues. Um, but I got through that two weeks and I still felt really low. And so I think that point on, I kind of, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know where to, what to even do. I was constantly texting my sisters to be like, okay, is this normal? Spitting up, like, yeah. what am I doing? And mm-hmm. he was pretty colicky. And so it was kind of rough. And, and I was in a really low point just mentally and physically and everything. And so I, that's where kind of the mama hood got started was I created a Facebook group of just like my cousins and sisters and close friends Oh, cool! of like 40 people. And then it's grown to over 30,000 moms who are just supporting each other and, you know, helping each other through all of it. Because I mean, if you go through postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or whatever you go through in motherhood, even in your guys' stage, there's something to be said about holding hands through it and helping each other through teenagers or toddlers or newborn babies because it was a really lonely time for me and it was it was hard to get through that so Mm -hmm. we actually have a group of friends Becky and I where our kids kind of became friends as we have teenagers and and we meet all the time well when we can really it used to be all the time now it's not as much but we have a text thread and we Mm -hmm. literally call the text thread the village Mm -hmm. because it's all the moms of like our friends, our kids, you know, the, our friends, kids, all teenagers, and we shoot questions off on that text thread all the time. Like, the did time. you hear about this on this social media or what is this or what are you guys doing for this? Yeah. And it has been such a tool and such a gift because there's something about motherhood. It's the most beautiful, wonderful experience with a lot of activity, but within that activity can be a lot of isolation mm-hmm. and overcoming that isolation. Um, can be really key to you having the support you need to keep yourself healthy during this process that you're giving all you have to raising these human beings. Totally true. Yeah. And having those relationships is just so crucial. And, um, and it's happening more online these days because it can, which is kind of amazing because, you know, a nursing mom sitting at home who is beholden to nap times and nurse and feedings and Mm -hmm. things like that can exactly get out quite as easily the way that maybe you or I can in this stage of life. And so because of technology and social media and the internet, they are able to, you guys are living proof of how that connection, it can be a very real connection, even if you don't know all of these people in real life. You don't, you know, that doesn't have to be the only way that you can really feel connected and find great resources in your Mm -hmm. motherhood. So going back to then, um, you were going to share, so what, what then happened? You had, uh, was this your first baby or? Yeah. So this is my very first baby. And I mean, I can dive into the whole story if you want. Dive in. <laughs> this is why I, ha- I asked them to be on was because I actually, um, met Aubrey at Alt Summit this past spring and was able to talk to her and really connect with her. And so I, I follow her on social media and the way she shares on social media about her motherhood journey and particularly her motherhood journey with postpartum depression, um, really just touched my heart because I, you know, we've talked before I had postpartum anxiety, um, and, and seeing someone open up, be so raw and vulnerable about what they went through and how, um, they are moving forward in their life was just so profound because when I was going through that, I was telling Aubrey, I literally felt like I was losing my mind. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I not having the same experience that I thought I was going to have? I grew up, you guys probably didn't do this. You might. Do you remember on TLC um, a baby story? Oh gosh, I love that and a show. wedding story. Oh, wait, is like, it still around? I no, but when right? I was a little kid, I've always been yes. obsessed with babies. Oh, I would sit in front of the TV and watch babies be born. Yes, yes. that was my favorite thing. <laughs> baby to do. story and wedding story, that. and so I had these like really idealistic views in my head of what marriage was and what it looked like and what mm-hmm. having a baby looked like. And I remember having my first baby, like they, and he he had some health problems, and so I remember him being born, and he was born early, and it was kind of a rush delivery, and then putting him kind of on my stomach, and I just the thing that went through 
through my head was like, this is nothing like baby story because they <laughs> oh rushed gosh. him out and my husband was gone and yeah. I was in a room alone and I was like, what just, uh, this, this is not supposed to be like, what in the world is oh happening? And so, um, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You were so jaded by watching this show religiously <laughs> yeah. that you did. You had an expectation. I did. Of and what it, right. Yeah. Of what I was supposed to feel. Or what I was supposed to have happen. And so, or what it might look like, what it might look like or sound like or whatever. And so, I loved when you shared your postpartum journey because I think so many people feel ashamed of the fact that they're like, wait, my, my experience doesn't look like what I thought it should. So, do share. Aubrey. Well, and nobody yeah. really talks about it. I think that's my thing is I'm like, okay, if I'm normal for thinking these things, or if I'm, you know, like if, if it could help just one person who's in that, it's a dark space. It is not. It is not something that's super fun to talk about, but I feel like it needs to be talked about because it's it's more common than we think. Right. But so with mine, um, I was just really dark for a couple weeks. And I mean, Marion's heard this whole story, but I lost like 25 pounds in the two weeks after having a baby. Wow. Because I food was my control factor. So I stopped eating and um, I got really like weak and And suicidal. you guys, she's not a large person she is a Aubrey's, tiny little mug Aubrey's a, a oh my gosh you're so small nice. I mean like you're I I consider you small she's like, like I think about think about oh Tinkerbell and that's kind of like the visual <laughs> of Tinkerbell. Aubrey she's oh like God. fresh have you ever been called you're Tinkerbell no but leave that's... it to Becky Proudfit to I relate call. you know I used to work for Disney Entertainment and so I, I relate all things to Disney that's like awesome. that's just I my I actually auditioned to play Tinkerbell did you know that you bonded with Marin on this no Marin we'll have to have a talk about this I know I know we will okay so Tinkerbell over here lost 25 pounds <laughs> I mean that's we're not making light of it but really yeah. like you're you're not a, you're small already and you said that you were around 100 pounds like that's mm-hmm. so little so 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 little yeah so I I mean and it was just right after having a baby too oh so it was gosh. like you're breastfeeding yeah. You're ha- yeah yeah so wow I'm trying to breastfeed and I really believe there's some kind of connection with breastfeeding too because I it didn't come natural for me it was very hard and I had all this mom guilt that I had to like do it and I didn't want to quit and I was having mastitis every other week. And I mean, it was just a nightmare. Oh yeah. Mastitis so, alone is. I know. Oh, pure. oh, like you're making certain tingling yeah. feelings happen in my body <laughs> right now. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, like that's no. the worst yeah. There's no, I mean, it's just worst ever. It's pure hell. It's yeah. just the, it's just the worst. Anyway. It's hard. Yeah. So I was going through all of that and I, I didn't get it because I was like queen babysitter growing up like I was I was the one that everyone loved like I was miss mom when I was a teen I was a better mom before I was a mom mom. yeah 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 and then I became a mom and I was like who can I I literally I remember thinking one time he was crying in the middle of the night and I thought who can I hand him off to because where's his mom like yeah I'm not this is not like I I felt so inadequate I just felt like who am I to be this kid's mom? Like this poor kid, he has to have me as a mom. You know, my tears are falling on his face when I'm feeding him. And, and I'm, it was just so dark and I didn't really realize it until I had a mom ask me how I was really doing. And that was kind of a turning point for me. I mean, I, I would hide the knives. I was having really suicidal thoughts. And I thought if I told my husband, he's going to think I'm absolutely crazy. He's going to pick up everything and leave. Like you just have irrational thoughts that seem so real, but they're not. And like my husband would never do that, you know, and I went to a family party and my cousin said, you know, how are you really doing? And I just was like, honestly, like I've had the weirdest thoughts. Like I kind of opened up to her and she's like, oh my gosh, I had the same thing. And she's like, you just need to go home, talk to Shay, like Mm -hmm. figure out, that's my husband and just figure out what can help you. And, um, there was one day where I, I, that night I ended up kind of opening up to him and I didn't really know what to do, but there was one day where he was at work and my baby was asleep in his crib and I had lost so much weight and I, my mother-in-law, I remember she used to watch my baby for me while I worked, but I would have like a carrot for lunch. That was it. And she just would look at me like, are you hungry? And I'd be like, I'm good. You know, you kind of like brush it off and Mm. you, that's the thing about postpartum depression is you can put on makeup and look like you're just fine, Mm -hmm. but then you go home and you're just in a really dark dark space and I I believe that's true with anxiety too I believe that's true with all like so many different maternal mental illnesses that we've talked a lot about on our podcast the past month or so but I just think there's there it's just a thing that nobody you can't see what people are thinking or how they're feeling and that's kind of what I did I can put on a happy face I'm normally a happy person like I'm not the type to have postpartum depression you know yeah 
And may I interject with a yes. um, um, an emphasis? I think something that would be a powerful takeaway that um, everyone should be feeling, no matter which stage of life you're in, is to be sure that you are that person to ask, "How are you really doing?" When mm-hmm. you feel prompted to do so, I don't mean stage that and go around asking everybody, <laughs> looking deep. How in their are eyes. you? Yeah, no, really. How are you? Like, don't do right. that. But like, yeah. we all feel those nudges in terms of our relationships and our connections. And that was your cousin. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Your cousin felt in that moment, or maybe ahead of time, it doesn't matter, but she felt to ask you, how are you really doing? I think mm-hmm. all of us here can speak to that experience that we've asked that or we've been asked that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that light could be possibly shed in some scenarios that need to be if it weren't for the, the one person reaching out to the one person saying, right. how really, how are you? So do that, mm-hmm. right? Be that mm-hmm. person. That's all I wanted to I love that. emphasize. And I, I love too, your cousin for that. Yeah. Right? And so often we're like, oh, we're good. Like you're bouncing your baby. We're fine. You know, and then you mm-hmm. go home and you're like, I'm really not fine. And mm-hmm. I think allowing that on the other flip end, allowing that question to be honestly answered and honestly, you know, giving a true of how you really are feeling, not just sloughing it off because you don't know how to ask for help. And with a trusted person. Yeah. And she was a trusted person in your life. And so it was a safe place. Mm -hmm. And so good on her, but good on you that you were vulnerable and honest enough with yourself to go, I'm going to tell you how I really feel. Yeah. And that's what you did. Right. Well, and I think it's so important too, to realize that those feelings that you have, they're not you. Like it's not, that's not me to have suicidal thoughts. That's not me to think that I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's not you. And in fact, when we were, when I had stopped eating, I was so weak. I had like, eventually there was one day where I collapsed on the ground and I literally thought you could die from postpartum depression. Like it was, it was just so dark, you know, and I hate, it's hard to talk about because you just, it brings you back to that state of mind. But I just remember thinking like, this could be the end for me. And that day, I mean, my baby was asleep. My husband was gone. So again, that loneliness dives in and nobody knows you know you're home by yourself nobody knows what goes on and I was on the floor and I really I looked up and I saw a picture of Christ in my hallway and I just was like is this it like is this how I go you know is this is this what's meant for me (laughs) like yeah I just was supposed to give birth and then call it good like it I was it was so dark and um it was the same kind of time that I'd finally started opening up to my husband and to me, that is the number one thing to do is to find that one person. I think if you're in that dark place, that is the first thing you do is admit that you're there and then find someone you can tell. Because if you can voice out, if you can talk about it to somebody, I feel like it decreases the magnitude of it even just a little bit. And then they can help you to the next steps. That's a really good I point. I totally agree with that. We, we talked about that in the anxiety episode is when you... When you um, identify and verbalize what it is, it, it just has less power because it becomes an entity separate from yourself and it's not you. I think we get into these patterns and I can speak for myself when I kind of like thought I was going crazy and then realizing like, oh my gosh, I have anxiety. I was hesitant to verbalize it because I think I was afraid to be like that girl, like that girl with anxiety or like that mom that's struggling. And um, it's really, it's, it's interesting the role that labels play in our lives. And I love opening up this conversation because one of the things we've talked about so much is like taking those boxes away, taking those labels away. And the more we talk about it, the more that we're vulnerable and open and make those true connections based on our shared experiences that I truly feel like we are meant to share and connect about. Those labels have less power. Those labels go away. And 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 you maintain your identity of being Aubrey or being Marin or Becky um, through those experiences, right? You don't let the label overcome you. Isn't that interesting though, that there's a distinction because we're talking about the significance and um, helpfulness of giving something a name, labeling something, identifying with it, but also in that same breath, we're saying, but don't put yourself in that box. Don't label yourself as this is who I am. Cause that's not who you are. You can label the, the thing, mm-hmm. whether it's a mental illness or an experience that you've had, but it doesn't define who you are. But I do think that we all see the value in giving that a name and understanding that's a thing. And that's going back to your point, like acknowledge that there's something, you have a thing, and then find that one trusted person. And 
and start and open your mouth about it? Because do you find that there is danger in not talking about it? Oh, do you yeah. feel like that there's risk in that? I believe so for Can sure. Can you speak to that? Because mm-hmm. I, I fear that we have someone listening who is really scared to share with someone. And what are the dangers in not? Well, and I'll say this too. I mean, especially if you're feeling suicidal or have any harmful thoughts, I have a code word, a code word with my husband and it's dark. So if I say, if I text him dark or if I say I'm really dark right now or if I, whatever it is, that's our code word for I need help. Like I need right. something. And I ended up calling the nurse to kind of end that story. I called the nurse and I was bawling on the phone and she instantly, you know, like got me some medicine and I got, I figured out some natural ways to help myself too. I mean, there's so many different avenues for help. And in fact, I have postpartum anxiety right now and going to the doctor is like so hard for some, for some reason. And you sit there with your baby. Sorry. You sit there with your baby. And of course there was like the student there and the nurse, like I'm in front of this whole audience and I'm just like, I'm so sorry, but like I am terrified at night. Like I have so Mm -hmm. much fear and I can't get out of my head. Like I've, I'm just like so scared of the night of the next disease that's going to hit my family or you know I have so many I like this anxiety thing that's been it's different a little bit from depression but going to the doctor feels so hard sometimes and then after I left I thought I'm going to celebrate that I got brave enough to go yes (laughs) and he he begged me he had me take a test and you'll they'll have you take a depression or an anxiety test but I scored like I failed basically <laughs> meaning yeah. like they did like, on paper you mm-hmm. didn't have anxiety and depression no, no on paper she did. i did oh, yeah. like it failed, was like meaning like yeah you did do you worry this okay. much and i'm like oh, ten. check check no. check yeah. check yeah. yeah yeah okay and he looked at me and i was like i'll just like read a book that helps or i'll just and he looked at me and he like begged his hands together and he just was like please just get on some medication there is no shame in it there is no shame in getting help with that you know, I get, I can help myself through meditation and there, and exercise and eating healthy. And I'm in a phase right now where I don't have time for all of that. So medicine is helping me. You know, there's, yeah. I just think there's no shame in asking for help, even though it's so stinking hard. It, there's just no shame in it. And has it helped you? Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. I know. It doesn't have to be the cure-all and the one thing that's no, magically going to make your life 100% No, it doesn't have to be a life sentence. Better. Right. 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 It's just, you know, what can help you in that moment. And Becky, you've spoken to that before. Like, there's Yeah, I have. It's, it's interesting you talk about your postpartum anxiety. And I also want to hear about Marin's um, experience with these. But my postpartum anxiety, like, really reared its ugly head after my third child And it almost was like when she was like six months that it got really bad. And she has like just, she's just a tiny little thing. And so when she would get a runny nose, her throat would close. And so we had to go to the ER like four times in six weeks. So anytime like I would hear a noise in the middle of the night, my body would have that like fight or flight reaction. Mm -hmm. And I would literally like just shut down. I would yeah. totally shut down. So I did. I actually, um, when I went to my doctor, first of all, he said to me, if I had a nickel for every mom who comes in here, like needing help, mm-hmm. he's like, I would be a very rich man. Like you are not alone in this. Like and this isn't is, that crazy. Yeah. No one talks about it. No one talks about it. And I ended up, I did, um, I took anxiety medicine for about six months and that for me was, I needed something right that day that was going to help to like curb, um, me going into panic attacks and I needed something to like stop the midnight panic attacks but also it gave me a chance to um to really like be in a headspace to look at like okay what can I do other ways like I've talked to Becky about this all the time my two big triggers with anxiety are if I'm sleep deprived and if I'm dehydrated those are the two, and it sounds funny, and that's what it is for me. So I know now. It's funny. It's just, it's what your triggers are. No, I, you know, I don't take anxiety medicine anymore, but I totally know I have to get sleep and I have to be hydrated in order to be healthy. Well, like, I just How many do. moms are getting like a full night's sleep? Or being hydrated. Um, yeah. Like ever. Right. Right. Ever. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, Maren, what was your experience? Well, it's just interesting that you talk about um, labels. Because I feel like that plays huge into all of the reasons why we don't talk about it. Um, and I've asked myself so many times, like, why aren't we talking about this? We, we, I mean, Obs and I are talking about it all the time with moms via DMs that are right. private, you know. But nobody's talking about it out loud. And 
I think for me, one of the biggest reasons that I didn't for a long time was I didn't want to be labeled as not even not labeled as someone with depression. I didn't want to be labeled as dramatic. And I'm doing air quotes, you know, because I do feel like we live in a society and we just have forever where women are often labeled as dramatic or, you know, that our emotions are just yes. over the top, that we can't control ourselves or whatever. And or if we prayed a little more, if we worked a little harder, that right. we would be able to, like, handle these things on our own. Right. And we want to – I feel like we want to take ourselves so far from that, like, so far from being labeled as, like, overly dramatic or out of control or all these things that women are often labeled as, that we try and be strong And then that results in us questioning what we're going through, not opening up about it, not getting the help that we need. That's a very good point. Yeah, it is. That that is actually a starking reality that I didn't even think about before that way. That's what it is. Because we are identified as that sometimes. And in fact, I was talking to Mm -hmm. my my dear friend Lydia about this yesterday, about how she has gone so far in the other extreme of the spectrum because in terms of like um things that she wants to work on in personal development because she doesn't want to um label herself as so many women do with like me time and it's about me and i'm Uh fixing myself and she's so turned off by that that she's gone to the other extreme and she's not focusing really at all on herself and so it's to that point it's like we get so scared it's all fear-based yeah we get so scared about the labels and the stigmas and the boxes that we're being put into or that we think we're being put into that we then don't do anything about it right that's a really good point Mary. and when i look back at like why I wasn't opening up to my husband about my postpartum depression. It really was that I didn't want, and he never would, but I didn't want him to label me as dramatic or out of control. Right. Or like Ob said, think that he couldn't trust me to be home with the kids or that I wasn't strong enough to be, you know, this role that he'd expected of me to raise his kids. And um, those labels are dangerous. Yeah. And we put them on ourselves. And like Aubrey, I didn't open up about my depression until a trusted friend who I hadn't seen in months who was performing at Jackson Hole and I went out to go and see her in her play saw me after and was like what is wrong with you like oh, really? I haven't seen you in years do you have postpartum depression and well it took wow. somebody outside of my sphere who I wasn't worried about labeling me as anything as being dramatic or anything like that to to see it to where I finally validated myself and was like, oh, if she can see it, then it must be true. And for me, it took that. But I want moms listening to this right now to not need, sorry, to not need another person outside of their sphere to tell them that they aren't being dramatic or to validate it for them. I want someone listening to this right now who feels dark, who feels alone, who feels lost, to just hear my voice right now telling them that. You're not being dramatic. This is actually something that it's okay to not be strong right now. And it's okay to to acknowledge that you are going through something else. I appreciate that you're saying that um, mostly because I really feel, I think all four of us feel this right now is like that is exactly what somebody needs, needs to hear. Will you please add to that and then tell them the next thing? What is then now? What do they do? Like if if they can get to that point where they can be okay, understanding that for themselves and they don't need external validation, then what, what should they do? What is something that is actionable that they can um, help themselves to move forward and be okay? Um, You know, I, I have opened up about this with OBS a lot and said like, I feel so distant from that person. And the fact that I feel so distant from who I was back then speaks more to the fact that it wasn't me, that it was like a clinical problem. Because if it was just me or whatever and not, you know, a clinical issue, then I think I wouldn't feel so distant from that time because I did overcome it. And I I wrote this journal entry back then that I just, um, when I read it, I can understand a little bit more like what I needed because... um, just some little excerpts from it that I think about is it's not just a bad day. It's not just a hard time. It's not something often we think we can get things to go away with just a bowl of ice cream or just, you know, a good nap or um, all of these things. But it's not something like that. It needs something more. And I think that we need real deep help 
whether that be from somebody from somebody who knows more than we do. Right. <laughs> I, point. I yep. highly suggest talking to somebody, whether or not you go on medication. I have um, thyroid problems to where I can't go on just any type of hormonal medication. But there are other types of professional help, too. Just because you aren't comfortable trying medication, which I would highly suggest trying, if you aren't comfortable with that, there's other professional help. There are therapists and counselors. And for me, that's what helped me, was a good therapist and a good counselor who knew how to get me out of that headspace and who knew who knew how to get me to find what I needed. Um, yeah. I was going to say that's perfect advice. I think that that might be something that would be specific and tangible enough and very applicable to probably many people listening. Um, I can't gloss over the fact that you mentioned an excerpt from your journal. Did you actually have something that you wanted to share from that? Or is that if you want me to, you're talking to the documenter of all the documenters. Let's hear it. Here's the thing. And, And Becky's right. Like that's why I can't let it pass because I, we, I think we all have experience with this, but just speaking from my own experience, I have learned the power in documenting. Uh, Becky, obviously, Mm -hmm. she and I talk about this together. There is very real power in documenting. And for you, that looks like it looks like a journal maybe you kept on your phone because it looks like you pulled. I'm a writer, so it was a blog. Yeah, it was a blog essay, actually. So there you go. And so, and and the fact that you are, however many years later, sharing this and pulling from it, and, and I don't even mean publicly i mean like you're pulling from this experience yeah. because it's in writing mm-hmm. and right. so there's power in that so sure yeah if you want to share something i'm happy to yeah. share a little bit of it yeah. um so this i did write i i specifically remember the day i wrote it was because <laughs> i was trying to explain to my husband how i felt mm-hmm. and i've been a writer my entire life since i was a little kid and i've always been able to express myself better through writing than through words and um So I actually wrote this in an attempt to figure out what to say to my husband about what I was experiencing. And then it turned into a blog essay that ended up being really helpful for me and some other people. That's so cool. um, I'll just read the start of it. And Marin, sorry. And it's going to serve and be helpful to people um, many, many, many years from now that you can't even imagine. That's the other thing about putting things Mm -hmm. in writing is that it can benefit and serve those who are to come and who we haven't even met yet. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I love, I mean, we could talk about documentation and writing oh, all day yeah. long. I love it so much. <laughs> I journal like crazy because I'm, I'm holding my daughter right now and mm-hmm. she's going to grow up and she's going to be a woman and a mom. And, um, she may be able to gain strength from things that I wrote and I can gain strength from things that my mom wrote. And how beautiful is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thanks for sharing that testimony that we have. <laughs> yes, also, we share that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's a yeah. shared, that's a shared testimony. I don't know how else to say it because that's what it is. It yeah. is. Okay. It's a testimony. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, it says not just a hard time, not just a bad day, not something that goes away with a good cry or a bowl of ice cream, not something that you can just pick yourself up and walk away from feeling like a small piece of matter occupying space in the world, wishing your husband had a better wife, longing for an appetite, always seeking another distraction, constant fear and worry that something bad will happen to your child, hoping you'll wake up from this dream to feeling normal again, loneliness, even when there are people around, the ability to put on a happy face with a group of people but crying later because you feel like none of them would understand if you told them. Someone might say, let me know if I can help. And on the inside, you're pleading, but don't know what you need. So you just sit there and say nothing. You feel crazy. You cry without a purpose. Spiraling thoughts, clinging to good moments because you know that they will pass quickly. Feeling that the only person you're connected to in the whole world is your baby. That's just the start of it. I And when I read it, I mean, it gives me all sorts of feelings because I don't actually remember this person. Because it was, you know, three years ago. Um, And I don't feel like I can relate to those feelings at all as I read it. But I feel like that's an important thing to acknowledge. Because other people also may not be able to relate to what you're feeling. Um, But that doesn't mean that what you're going through is not real. One of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation on the podcast, as Becky was saying, is of course, if there are any young moms out there 
who are going through this or who are going through something and they don't even know what it is and this sheds some light on onto some help that they can that they can receive that's amazing right but i also feel like there is this older generation um because even in the time when i was a mom um, i feel like things in motherhood have shifted so much and so you're still a mom well, you get what I'm saying. When I was <laughs> having babies, when I was a mom, yeah, when I was having babies, I feel yes. like stuff has changed so much. And so the generation older than us, I don't think this was even like a thing. And so I wonder how many listeners out there right now are listening who maybe past the years where they're they're having kids or or having young kids at home, thinking like, oh my gosh, that's what it was. Hmm. When really they just knew like that was not a great time of their life. Like having mm-hmm. young kids and and having babies was hard. And then if it is, if that is somebody listening, then then what? Like, do, are you saying that you feel that there's power and and being able to retrospectively look back and go, yes, okay. I am so that's glad that, that I knew I had postpartum anxiety, and because. When I look, you know, I have two daughters. When they're having babies, I'm going to be very aware of like looking for signs or little things or little cries for help and validating them and saying, honey, I'm so sorry. That's awful. And, And jumping in to help before I'm asked, but then also saying, you're not alone. And I went through this. And let me tell you about my experience. And it's much more powerful to have someone tell you about an experience and say, I had postpartum depression or I had postpartum anxiety and I know what it's like rather than to just be like, yeah, I guess it was hard. It was hard having kids. Like there is so much connection. Right. And that I think is where the healing happens is, you know, um, one time when I, I was starting therapy and I remember like having kind of a low and then deciding like, okay, I'm going to go seek out a therapist And just the decision to, like, Mm. when I made the decision and, like, made the appointment, like, I hadn't even gone yet. But I, like, recognized there was a problem and and did something that was really scary to me, which was, like, employing a therapist. Just that action alone was, like, extremely healing and extremely cathartic. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't even really done anything yet, you know, done any of the work. That's a hard step to do. It is, you know? yeah, very hard. And, and I, I feel like finding a therapist. Sorry, no, finding a therapist is even harder than finding a doctor. It is oh, yeah. so hard to find a good therapist, mm-hmm. and it will almost like when I was on that path to finding one, it almost got to the point where it was so complicated to find one that yeah. matched with my insurance that could help yes. my needs specifically that I connected with that I almost gave up. Yeah, but you have to not give up because you, when you find a good one. Yeah, the one that you connect with, the one, right. the one that that works for you. Did you have a thought back? I could you know, see the wheels I, turning well, in your head. Well, only because um, this isn't really the specific topic that we're talking about, but I do want to relate to it for a moment because we are going to have some people who are saying, "Wait, am I supposed to have postpartum depression or anxiety?" And I'm just, I want to represent the those of you who that doesn't have to be part of your story. I really don't recall having the, those pockets of darkness postpartum. My mm-hmm. my my story is different, right? right. And well, your so- pockets of darkness came before, right? Like your your be- struggle be- before babies. Yeah, well, oh, n- you know, like infertility? your infertility yes. struggle, but <laughs> yeah. those pockets of darkness. Very hard. and I th- and I think the yeah. broader message is is women when you are having babies, or really even you know if you're adopting or however your family comes to be, um, women sacrifice their emotions, their time their bodies I think we don't give enough like importance or emphasis on the fact that like you just grew a human being like the emotional the hormonal all of those things like that is a really significant thing you know I just went through cancer last year and people all the time are like oh you you had cancer like give yourself time to heal no one ever said that to me after I had a baby. Like, give yourself a year right. to, like, heal. Right. Like, it's going to take a long time to really become whole, you know, physically again. No one ever said that to me. My mom is the queen of that, and I love it. She always comes over and says, you had a baby this year. That's what you did this year. Mm-hmm. If you ever feel like you're not doing enough, you had a baby this year. For all of 2019, yeah. you're off the hook. That's like, right. You had a baby. Dude, it <laughs> was the only thing 
thing that you hear in this entire episode, yes. it's that. Like if you are a, a, a stitch a, that on a pillow yeah. for a new mom for having <laughs> a new mom. We need that's oh you know that's gosh. a great product. You guys need to make a pillow that there said you, you had a baby that's you are this year. <laughs> that's you had a baby this year. Life. Check check. But yes. I do love what Becky said too, though, because like for us, I haven't had cancer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I think of you like you know I think there's still connection among that. So whether you've had infertility or you've had depression or not, I think all of our hearts are so different, but mm-hmm. we can still connect together because it's all hard. Absolutely. The connections and the vulnerability, the connections and yeah. being open and honest and real and letting people see mm-hmm. and interact with you in a way that's And being authentic. aware of what to say. So like with infertility, a lot of people don't know what to say to moms who go through that or with cancer, you know, where people kind of tiptoe over that or with post, you know, I think, having that on both sides is so helpful so that we can help each other okay that's how I want to wrap this up then is I would like for each of you totally gonna put you on the spot girls I love it so good at doing this I really am (laughs) if you what what is something as a mom who has had postpartum anxiety postpartum depression what is something or or something that you can give us as a tool as an actual thing to say to someone who may be suffering with that? Like, what is something or you can who, do or say or to who help? Or you might be thinking, right? Like, so, it could be someone that you don't even know, but maybe you are wondering, maybe she yes. does. Is that what you're saying? Like, like, people used to ask me with cancer okay. all the time, like, what do I do for someone with cancer? Like, I don't even know, like, what to do. So what is something, is there something that was particularly helpful um, when you were going through that? Either just connection or people helping you or what was what was something someone else can do that was really helpful? I would say um, it's not necessarily asking what can I do or anything like that. It's being very – because at least for me, especially when I'm down, right. I push myself down even further. And even if someone says, can I help you? What do you need? I'm not going to ask. You're not going to be like, actually, right. my toilets need to be clean. My Here's laundry needs yeah. to be folded because biggest, I am not functioning. Yeah. The biggest thing I can say that is helpful is just – do it mm-hmm. or just say that you're going to yeah just say i'm going to take your kids i want to take them tell me what day this day this day or this day what day can i take your kids mm-hmm. i want to come and bring you dinner tell me what day between this days can i bring you dinner yeah. just be so specific about right. what you're going to do how you're going to help them and just instead of can i bring you dinner right like, they're gonna say no don't it's never work? a yes right. or no question it's yeah. a what time what day can i come and do this for you or even, i'm going to come i've texted people and been like hey i know you're sick we have a friend heidi mm-hmm. who i do this too often because she will never be like yeah thank you i really need dinner i'm like i'm bringing dinner tonight you can't say no you can throw it out when i get there but it's coming at five love yep. you yeah. yep. like that's, that's yeah. how it has to happen that's how right? you serve and it's yeah. a beautiful way to serve so to your point Marin, when you're bringing that up i i feel and and a lot of people can connect to this in different experiences that they've, they've had most of us as human beings can attest to the difference in somebody saying well is there anything i can do for you which by the way places a big burden on the person yes. being asked like yeah. a really big burden. like mm-hmm. i'm supposed to be the one that now needs to think of the way that you are trying to serve me when really like i'm so you know right. i don't know like, i need everything right, like, right. just do something right, right. right. Yeah. there's actually um a talk that that i love and and the speaker equates it to like if someone's drowning you don't say like what can, can I, I do you? to help? <laughs> like you just throw them the dang life preserver. That's right. right. Like you right. just act. You just yeah. pick them up. Well, you just do it. Feel when you're mm-hmm. in it is you don't even know how to help yourself. Right. So even just those bits of mm-hmm. life preservers coming at you is yeah. everything. The only other thing that came to me, I'm just like, is so important is invite, invite, invite. Invite them to be with you and to be around you. Even if they keep saying no. Yeah. Because there will be that one day that they say yes and that they feel like coming and if you've stopped inviting because you feel like oh they're never gonna come then that day might happen and then they they aren't invited so just like keep inviting keep reaching out yeah that's really solid advice i think it's important too i mean just back to the seriousness of it all because i was definitely in a suicidal point Mm -hmm. i think asking those hard questions are so important because there are moms who are suicidal and it doesn't end like mine you know there Mm -hmm. are moms who are in that dark of a spot that I think even asking the hard questions might save their life 
would the hard question be, are you having suicidal thoughts? Mm -hmm. Are you thinking of hurting yourself? Do you feel like you could harm your baby? Are you, Mm -hmm. do you feel dark? Do you feel like, yeah, suicidal thoughts, bringing up the hard words might save them and I think it's super hard and it's awkward sometimes but that might be the lifeline that might be the life preserver Mm -hmm. of like of that relief of oh my gosh someone knows now or someone where you can ask them yeah Yeah, like Mm -hmm. just maybe starting off with how are you really feeling like have you had abnormal thoughts that don't feel like yourself like you can be light about it but yeah don't lead with like so how's it going do you have no (laughs) I, I have something to add to that I think if I'm the one let's say Aubrey, that I'm asking you and I'm concerned and we have a good relationship and it's a safe place. And I ask you and say, Hey, you know, how are you doing really? And then I lead into, are you having suicidal thoughts? If you were to shoot back to me in defense and be like, no, like, no, I need to make sure that I take responsibility to not be embarrassed, right? to not be, feel shame and that I asked, or like I'm a terrible person because I made any assumptions. I think the important thing would be I planted that seed. So if maybe you're not ready to talk about it, now you, as no, my friend, I come back. yes, now mm-hmm. I've established, yeah. I am that safe place for you, Aubrey. Mm-hmm. And so if, and when you're ready to talk about it, if that is a thing that's going on for mm-hmm. you, we're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be that safe place for you. And it's mm-hmm. true because even with this postpartum with this baby, my husband will say, are you having harmful thoughts? Cause I'll have a rough night or something. And I'll be like, no, no, you know, but maybe I am, you know, right. and maybe, so then I know next time. I can tell him, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think opening that gateway is so important. Yeah, for sure. Guys, this this has been amazing. And I'm just, I'm so thankful. Thank you to both of you. So much value. For coming, for sharing your stories, for the work you do on your podcast and your blog, on Instagram, for being open and vulnerable, because I know there are so many people out there that are in a safer and better place today because you guys shared your stories. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please remind everybody where to find you. Yeah. We are on Instagram at the.mamahood. We are on all podcasting apps, um, just the Mamahood podcast. And we are also on Facebook in the Mamahood community. On I Facebook. make her do that on our podcast because yeah. <laughs> she's just good at having it all. <laughs> she's good at the rundown. <laughs> she's got the rundown. Yeah, awesome. she's got it down. And as we, as we head out of this episode, I wanted to let you know that every little background noise you hear is all of the most sweetness oh. that we could have ever imagined. I'm sorry. From these. No oh, apologies. No, no way. I want to say that it's an honor to have done this together with you guys, but especially because you are really living the story that you're trying to tell and your babies are with you and it's a beautiful (laughs) thing and they they don't even know how good they have it to have moms like you who are willing to speak out and to draw connections from the experiences that you have so thank you girls thank Thank you you. so much we love becky squared (laughs) oh we do the love's right back yes all right you guys thanks for being with us and we'll be with you next week bye-bye